Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 175 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, you're going to see what I'm saying. And Dan's going to sit on a horny horse. I'll show you the light in the darkness, and then I'm going to extinguish it. I'm an old lady, I cannot die, I live forever, I live to a million. Can I just say, mm. just before we get into the week in science, Ooh. that's like less than a minute into the podcast and we're ready to start content. Oh, we are contenting up. I listened to a podcast recently. And it didn't start until five minutes and 14 seconds after the beginning of the podcast. Mm, mm. Like the guy got on and rambled about what he was going to do for that long, did a whole bunch of like just really dull stuff. And then like we're great. We get right to the meat. I mean, obviously not today, but usually we get right to the meat (laughs) of the podcast. Right in there. People who are listening haven't got time to enjoy us and to get onto us on a professional and social level. They, they just, they just want content. Like you content machines, squeeze out the content from your content flaps into nice tubes of content and deliver it into my ears. Contenties. TM. Ugh. Yes. So what happened to you this week in science? I was almost killed by a satellite. (laughs) That's not, that's not true. (laughs) Well, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Let me elucidate. You may have heard how China is doing great guns at the moment in the space area. They landed something on Mars. They did. They did. So they, about three months ago, they parked, they parked. They parked a five-ton satellite, the largest one, I think, the largest one's ever gone up there, uh, into orbit around... It's impressive to be able to park at the speed of a bullet. Oh, it's look, it's even getting to Mars is is amazing. So, yes. And so they they went into orbit around Mars uh, with their probe, and then three months later they went, okay, yep, we haven't broken anything. Uh, We've checked everything. Everything's cool. And they lowered down a rover. And they're the second country in the world to lower a rover to the surface of Mars. It's kind of similar to Spirit and Opportunity that NASA put down about 10 years ago, sort of solar powered it's pretty it's gonna be pretty cool a uh, pretty cool thing and this is of course on top of the us one which is the, the new one which is uh, perseverance and ingenuity little helicopters there's all these little robots doing their thing on mars hey can i ask for a sec are all these things just powered by solar no spirit and opportunity and the new ones uh, zhuang uh z-h-o-u-n-g so it, they're solar but the the answer is solar's not the answer because the further it's the inverse square law. So you go double the distance out and you get quarter the sunlight. And mm. so solar and once you get to Jupiter, forget it. Like you just you're not gonna run by solar. And so you have to go nuclear. And that's what Curiosity was. Curiosity is is, it's not dead. Curiosity is nuclear, RTG, radio thermal generator, which we've talked about in the podcast. You know what? I don't like having the word curiosity and nuclear in the same sentence. <laughs> They don't like talking about it. They call them RTGs a lot of the time, radiothermal generators, but it's a piece of plutonium doing its thing. So, And then perseverance is the same thing. So you can have – and it lasts for years and years and years and years, a tiny bit of plutonium up there. Of course, if it blows up on the way up, that's real bad in the atmosphere, but they didn't. So there you go. But it's, I think it's the answer. You've got to go nuclear. Otherwise, 
you know, well, um, Ingenuity, the helicopter's solar powered. So it flies, it can fly for a couple of minutes and it lands. So it takes about a, a, a sol. So one of their days, like to, to recharge its batteries again. That's pretty mm. cool. But no, radioactive thermal generators are the way to do it. Anyway, let's move on. So China yep. has, China also decided that they didn't want to go in uh, with the new space station. So the International Space Station's been up there for 20 <coughs> years and it's getting a bit old now. And, and it, it replaced Mer, didn't it? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the Skylab, there's been a few. There's been, in fact, China had one that they put up there and then it fell down like within a couple of months. So they, they went, we're going to build this one. Oh, it burned up in re-entry. So there's been a few things up there. The, the Mir space station and the Skylab space station, which crashed very close to where I'm sitting right now in a place called Esperance, foreshadowing of what I'm talking about now. <laughs> and so America went to its international partners and has said, hey, we should build a whole new space station. This, this old one's getting a bit old and rickety. And Russia's been like, oh, maybe, because they've been a bit kind of funny about it. And it's a lot of money. And, and other countries are not too sure. And China just went, nah, we're good. We, we'll do it ourselves. And so they launched uh, Tianwen. Uh, that was the, yeah, that's the, the, the Long March 5 is the rocket. And they put this massive, the, the, the core unit of their new space station into orbit. Very successful. But things that go up have to come down. And so they don't have reusable rockets like SpaceX does. So they had mm-hmm. this big second stage, this, this 20-ton, 35-meter part of the vehicle that got them into space, just kind of, you know, flipping around and in orbit. So hang on, so it, it, does their ship dislocate from this thing? Yeah, yeah. So okay, it so goes it, up. it's done. It's done. They park it into orbit, and then they so and they it park can, it in orbit. They they basically they, they they put it into an orbit where they they go. This orbit will be safe to get there. That it'll it'll fly itself to that place and be in a stable stable ish orbit. Mm. But the the, the second stage the, rocket with, is not with the with the old space shuttle. Mm. It would it had like huge rockets on it, and it'd go up for a couple of minutes, and then the two big rockets would come off, and then go mm. keep going fuel tanks. Another rocket, yeah. Fuel mm. tanks would come up, and then the next one would that would drop off, and they would just drop into the Atlantic and mm-hmm. be recovered, yes. right? Yes. So this one, they actually take a big chunk of the ship and they just dump it in space in orbit. That's this is the contentious stuff internationally. It's a big fight between how to do this. It, you go, it, it's going to be in a decaying orbit, but yes, and and if you can't control it, most countries that do this sort of stuff. Not that there's a lot of them. Basically, the US, USSR, and and now New Zealand of all the countries. In, do doesn't this. India have a space? program? India has a space program too. Actually, yeah. I mean, lots of people have little ones. I mean, but New Zealand, I can't come on Australia, get your act together. But they have these staging rockets. They're not they're not not just ballistic. They're not just going up and then falling back into the sea. They they go in to a decaying orbit they're a bit higher than that and so mm. these things have to be controlled to get brought bound so they don't land on gregoire's head but china decided well no we're not going to do that because to have to do that we'd lose some of the mass we would we have had more engines and more fuel and so we would have to lose some of our boosting capability of this of this rocket so they chose they went well the world's 70 percent water we'll just roll the dice it's going to be fine and it'll come down somewhere on planet Earth, 70%, 7 out of 10 chance it'll fall on the sea, and it's going to be fine. And, spoilers, they were right. But 
they have actually landed things in the past on poor African people, you know, just crash into Africa and then like, oh no, bits and pieces. And also in China and, and so is, but so is the US. The US crashed Skylab into Australia. They, they deorbited it and then it crashed into Australia near a town called Esperance, which I mentioned before. And they got charged for littering, which is hilarious. And there's not a lot of towns, like, no. on, a, on a per square metre basis in no. Australia. No. Like, like, it's it, it mostly like, sand. It, is, it didn't actually hit, like, the centre of, of Esperance, but, yeah. It didn't take Esper- out a traffic light or something. No, 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 no. It hit a cop in the head or something. No. <laughs> Crush a school teacher. No, that, that, would be, that would be hilarious and awful. But anyway, this thing was in orbit, and it'd been up there for a while, and the international community was watching it. And I was watching the tracks of it, like where it was going around the world and where it could come down. And last Saturday night, so a week before we were recording this, I kept an eye on it, and it was like, whoa, where's this going to land? And, and like they're talking about could it go into Europe, and it, it was going to track over Europe, and it was, it was going to track over a lot of areas. And they worked out the perigee, so the lowest part of its orbit – would be about 140 kilometers above the Earth, and mm-hmm. it would be somewhere over the Indian Ocean. It was like, oh, that's interesting. But the track, if you go further east and or southeast, was pretty much directly over Perth, where I live, Perth, Australia. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, that's fine. And there were multiple tracks. Like there are multiple tracks where where it is in its orbit. And I was looking at it like there was three major tracks. I went, there's a lot of the planet Earth that this could go to. I'm not even vaguely. I'll go to bed. I wake up in the morning. It's expecting to have already have come down, like because even though it's 146 kilometers up, and that's past the the Kármán line, the 100 kilometer where we call space has started. There's still atmosphere beyond that, and and yeah. so it's slowing down and it's being dragged. And I expect it to have already fallen into the sea somewhere. And I wake up and oh no, it's it's still up there. It's and coming. It's, it was last seen sort of. And I was looking at the track and went, oh, it's coming to Perth. That's where it's coming. It's I was like, no way. This can't be. Are you kidding me? So I checked the times when it was going to come out and at about 10 in the morning, roughly Perth time, 10.30ish, that's when it was going to cross over Perth. So I wandered out wondering, there's no safe place to be. I'll just, you know, she <laughs> can't. Something so that big. If that had come out of the sky and hit one of those high rises in Perth, mm. how much damage does it do? Is it like take out a couple of windows or does it They like, talk about, well, a city block? no, no, I think also you say 20 tons and 35 meters long, but really it was, it would have burnt up mainly. I mean, let's face it. It's not a lot, lot's going to make it down. Big components will with Skylab, big chunks of it came down. So not, not like a whole bit of it. So you may get like a, a part of a fairing, but if a part of a fairing hit your building, I think it would crash right through the wall. Uh, it wouldn't just go boom. It would smash a lot, but it wouldn't like bring like, the building down or something like that. But it would, it would be it would, like a car hitting the side of a building. Uh, smaller, uh, maybe, uh, maybe like an air conditioning unit hitting the side faster. of a building. Yeah, fast. That's, that's the problem. Yeah, but uh, imagine an air conditioning unit smashing into your house. Someone, someone lobbing an air conditioning unit out of a plane. I know it's just firing not, but, an air conditioning. Like, it, yes. it, does, it, does it hit terminal velocity? It, like, terminal, still, yeah, it hit its terminal velocity. <laughs> That's what terminal velocity means, but uh, it will have a speed. But uh, would it have reached but, terminal velocity? That's what I'm saying. Was I don't... It still be going so fast that it's going much faster than if you just dropped it out of a plane. Yeah, yes, faster than dropped out of a plane. But that's what saves you as well because you're blasting through the atmosphere and it just ablates. It just going, it, only very very solid bits of it are going to hit. Uh, you want mm. you don't want to get hit by it. You don't want to be anywhere near it. No, but I was out. I was out but there you don't looking. Want to get hit was... by that air conditioner either. 
No. <laughs> so there was this whole, I went outside and it was very, very cloudy. And I was on Twitter at the time. I was sending tweets out from, from the location because people in America were like, Hey, Perth, what's going on, Perth? And I was like, we're still here kind of thing. We're still alive. It's like scientists were saying, how's it all going, Perth? <laughs> And I couldn't see it because of the clouds. I was very disappointed, it, but it didn't crash into Perth. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it'll do what Skylab did and crash into Esperance. But long story short, they realized that it actually had crashed into the northern Indian, near the Maldives, I do believe. So it had crashed into the North Indian Ocean and everything was fine. But we didn't know that. Like, you're like, oh, statistically unlikely, but still a little bit exciting. <laughs> Yeah. I found it quite interesting because they said these are the cities that it's going to pass overhead, which like the big population centres, which could have a problem. And they were mm. all over the frigging place, like scattered mm. across the globe. And I'm like, they're not in a row. What are they talking about? But of course, it's not like about that at all. This thing is going at a crazy speed and it is going in its its own form of straight line. But because yep. it's a straight line around a ball, it ends yes. up looking like it's weaving back and forth. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So it's going in a straight line, and as it goes around the Earth, it, the its track, so it's it's the straight line it was taking, was being pushed further east. So every time it went around the Earth, it was like hundreds of kilometers more east, but the track would then run around again. So you get a whole new line of, of places it's going to hit. All the mechanics is interesting. Uh, yeah, so there you go. I wasn't hit. I'm still here. Mm. And, and, of course, there are plenty of cities that were easily between those tracks. Yes. Oh, yes, that's right. And yeah. you were completely safe. Yes, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's something very weird would have to happen to it to jump sideways. So the, yeah. the moral of the story is, if you're a spacefaring country, which China definitely is, you've got to have the ability to choose when you deorbit these things and crash them into the Pacific or the Indian. You you can pick a place where it's going to come down, and that's where NASA does a lot of the time is just land it in the middle of the Pacific somewhere and go, there we go, done. Probably not great for the whales, but it's um, almost like the powers that be in China. Don't prioritize human life that isn't exactly <laughs> like them. Maybe uh, I don't know. Smart enough to know better is powerful enough to go against up, go against the CCCP. But you know why not? <laughs> it is funny to go on the Wikipedia page though, where, where you read Wikipedia doesn't mention any of this. It mentions the Long March Five B and it mentions the, the successful mission and how great everything's going. It doesn't kind of mention the uncontrolled reentry of the second stage. <laughs> <laughs> Which you, you probably should mention that it's, it's not a it's it's Wikipedia. Go go update it. Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Exactly right. And, and I'm not just saying it's not it's not me. Like we're not like paid stooges of capitalist West or something. I mean, NASA has also dumped things. As I said, on Esperance, they they have made this mistake, but now they've gone. We will control deorbit these things. So that's the lesson learned. Let's control deorbit. We should you shouldn't just lob things at a planet of 7.7 billion people and go. Ah, it'll be fine. <laughs> that's called manslaughter. <laughs> so that was your week in science, Dan. Did you know that X-rays were named X-rays because the guy who discovered them, Wilhelm Röntgen, wasn't sure what it was? Ooh, X made it sound cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's a ray. What sort of ray? I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, it's an X-ray. We don't know what sort it is. Well, nowadays, we would have called it a dark ray because dark. And you see the word dark, dark matter, dark energy. It means we don't know. It means we have no concept. We It'd don't be know. Dark ray. You go, Ooh, I've hit it with the dark ray. Ooh, sexy. <laughs> Someone tried to get a renamed to a Rontgen mm. ray, but X-ray was just too mm. cool. X People were just like, no, no, we, we know what X-rays do. You can see mm. through stuff. It's called it's an X-ray. X-ray. 
We don't want to have to memorize a weird German name. Yeah, Rontgen Ray. Yeah, yeah. So he discovered this in 1895. One year later, doctors and dentists were already using it for diagnostic purposes. <laughs> I'm sure perfectly safely, and if it was great. <laughs> I, I reckon there was a bit of a there was actually a bit of a teething problem, and <laughs> it only became very common fifty five years yeah. later. Yeah, that's when they. I love it when when you, you get an X ray, you get go to the dentist and you get an X ray, and they put in they put something in your back of your teeth so they don't irradiate your entire mouth. They just a small area, and then they get the heck out of Dodge. I always love the dentist like we're going to run away now, <laughs> and they always run away. Well, putting that little shield in your mouth isn't just about preventing the radiation from hitting the other side of your face. You want to get picture of both sides because if you get pictures of all the teeth at the same time, you can't yes. tell which teeth. Yeah, yeah, which teeth. You, yeah, you're true. It's it's, it's a backscatter thing. But I do. They always take off because they have to take off because otherwise they're sitting next to a X-ray emitter like a lot, and that's probably uncool, especially if you want to have you know babies or something. Or I remember getting my first dental X-ray when I was like six. It was terrifying. <laughs> They're like, sit here, hold, clamp onto this yep. with your teeth, lie under this lead blanket. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go out of mm. the room and close this lead door so you're the only one who gets exposed to this. I was like, ah. Uh, if you hear any praying, you'll yeah. know what it is. <laughs> oh, please, Lord, please protect us from the murderous rays. <laughs> They're like, they've got a thermal when they're like doing incense and smoke around. Oh, we don't know how this works. The dark wizardry. Well, the. Sorry, I don't know how old you are. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the dentist would pull maggots out of my teeth, which was the, was the root of my uh, tooth problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, well, debridement therapy is a very important thing. So the process back then, too, was that it would, the x rays would hit a sheet of some sort of plasticky type stuff that was doused in chemicals. And then they'd mm. take it to a dark room and they'd process it. And like 15 minutes later, they'd come out with your x-rays. And there was so heaps of waste and it required like a lot of labor to do that sort of thing. So I got my teeth cleaned the other day and I mentioned to my very Ooh. chatty dentist that it had changed so substantially. <laughs> So now what mm. they do is that they point what appears to be the laser cannon arm from Super Metroid at your head, <laughs> uh, so at your yep. cheek. You clamp onto that thing, as you say. That's just, that's just to stop you screaming. That's just to, if, if you get enough x-rays in the brain, it makes it like it, <laughs> it, 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 it images of demons, and you go, ah! and then, but no, you, you're clamping, so you, you don't upset the dentist. that was? And then, and then she just <laughs> want, walks out of the... It opens up the pores of hell in your mind. <laughs> Sorry. But she just clicks a button and it goes click. And then she w walks out of the room for a moment and it goes beep. And then she comes back into the room and it's all it's all done. She doesn't even have to close mm. the door. And I asked uh, about this and she said, yeah, the new one that just comes up to your cheek, it uses a fraction of the radiation that the old ones did. So that's why. And it oh, it targets it and it's a digital <laughs> recording. So the, it's the, it's not having to have mm. an effect on a chemical on a sheet it's not like a emulsifier somewhere. No. You, don't, you don't need to. You don't need. You're not. You're, you're not doing like silver nitrate in a drawer in yeah, a dark you're not, room. Or you're not like using or... fire to, to just to <laughs> set it against it. Um, you are all you're doing is trying to cause these sensors to react, and they become mm. really, really sensitive. So, mm -hmm. you tiny little bit of radiation, and it's ready in an instant, and it goes through software processes to get all the information out. It is 
crazy useful. Uh, there's no wastage. There's no chemical wastage. There's no storage. You have to store all of these records. Now it's all stored on a computer, and so you can you could do the X-ray and immediately compare it to the last X-ray you did months ago or years ago, and figure out what's changed. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it turns out much cheaper in the long run because you're not paying for chemicals and you're not paying for storage and or labor. Unfortunately, we have less superheroes. That's a big problem. Like we're no longer just randomly irradiating people and hoping they get bitten by a radioactive animal. I, I was was that happening a lot from radiation? Well, look, that's why that's why all my friends had to go away. Supposedly they all gained superpowers and and um, were fighting crime. Oh, it's Cancer Man. <laughs> Able to lie quietly in bed. Oh. Oh. oh no! Your special power is dying oh. early, and a sense of perspective that comes oh. with that. Oh, oh! It was all fun and games until Cancer Man came along. Yeah. <laughs> now the thing is, they don't have to stand behind a, a lead barrier, but they do have to monitor how much radiation is because that is an X-ray mm, machine, mm. and they're around it all the time. She wears a little box, a little flat box on her belt that's like two by three centimetres, and it's a radiation detector. If she's getting too much radiation, it'll start, like, making an alarm. It's like a dosimeter. Is that a dosimeter? Is that what it's called? Something like that. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I could walk to shame myself, but I think that's what it's called. So, yeah, and guess what? What? No cavities. No, well done. Yay. (laughs) It's the only part of me that's not falling apart are my teeth. Everything else is cactus. But my teeth, amazing. So... Stupid no cavities and no headaches. You miss out on the two worst experiences that humans can have. That's right. That's why Fuck I'm you. <laughs> I'm genetically superior and will be your leader one day because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and my friends have all got uh, celebratory pitchforks for that. I'll, I'll just call them dental tools. <laughs> I, no friends. Thank you for that fire and pitchforks. I, my teeth are fine. I don't need you to probe in there. Stop probing my face with your dental tools. <laughs> what sort of foreign films have you watched? Oh, uh, I, I don't mind a, a, a foreign film now. Especially, uh, I put on the subtitles, so it doesn't really make any difference to me. I just listen to like read it a lot. But like, I guess a lot of Japanese stuff. I guess Chinese stuff. There's quite a bit of Chinese stuff nowadays. Uh, American films. They're foreigners. They're they're, they're not my, from my country. <laughs> so I listen to those ones. They're they're kind of good. They're, they're, they're these superhero ones with yes. with I think they're called the Avengers. They're, they're kind of fun. Yeah, it's good. yeah. They're sort of cultural heritage sort of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. go into that sort of historic stuff. <laughs> the so so you you're definitely a subs man not a dubs man uh yes yeah i quite like reading things and and, and listening to it yeah and I, I think it's happening more and more nowadays yeah more subbing than dubbing because dubs are yeah. weird I, I feel particularly yeah. they're a bit weird sometimes yeah certainly oh. certainly my wife is french and so she grew up watching a lot of american action shows and then when she watches them again she's like what well, MacGyver doesn't sound like that. Why does he sound so weird in English? <laughs> Nowadays, you don't really need to dub that much, I guess. Mm, but there are still foreign foreign films. In fact, there's a lot, still a lot of dubbing going yes. on on um, on uh, European television. Oh, oh, okay, they oh, right. definitely right. dub in their own voices on the, the cast of Friends, for instance. <laughs> and the same actor, the same voice actor, will actually match up with the same actor throughout. In television, so if you've got your someone is dubbing, for instance, Eric Banner while he's doing 
full frontal in a, on Australian <laughs> television. That's a, and then wow, he becomes a topical, a topical pull there, Dan. <laughs> well, then he becomes a big action, a big star mm. on television. Then that voice actor is like suddenly in the money because they they mm. they get caught up and pulled along with his with his. <laughs> I, I, you'd say the same thing about those Saturday Night Live actors. All those people dubbing Saturday Night Live actors are like hoping that, mm. that that person is going to be the next big thing. Please, Steve Carell, Steve, please, please make me Steve Carell. And then suddenly he's huge, like, yes! Jackpot. Or, or Stephen Colbert. Can you imagine if you're Stephen Colbert dubber and now he's got his own te- nightly television show? You're like, yes! Yeah. I'm in the money. I just have to yell at how I hate Trump every night. Just all the time. <laughs> That's, I feel like it was new, more nuanced than that, but there was definitely a through line. <laughs> uh, so my wife introduced me Years and years ago to a movie called Bienvenue chez la Ch'tie, which was translated here as Welcome to the Sticks, but is is actually welcome to a region of France called the Ch'tie. And it's kind of like if you're in Australia, it would be like having a film called Welcome to Tassie in the US, Welcome to Minnesota, or in the UK, Welcome to the North. We all have mm, parts of our okay. country which have the sort of the, the, the cultural backwater of our uh, of of the place, <laughs> right? And probably an undeserved title in certain situations. <laughs> Not necessarily all situations. Mm. We'd be quite happy to sort of divest ourselves of the north of Queensland for political reasons sometimes. <laughs> Okay. But that's not what this podcast is about. No, I'm about to say, wow, we're just really sticking it to these people. Take that, people who live in places we don't live in. There is a scene where this character moves from the south of France all the way to the north of France, and they have this strange accent. And he walks in and he says, and, and the guy the guy who's local is like, oh, well, f- welcome to your office. And the guy's like, the wait, what's this about a fish? I don't want a fish. He says, this is your office. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, Wait, so you're saying office, not fish? And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's an office. He's like, are you saying it's a, a fish in a dish now? And there's this very clever, and I, I haven't done it justice here, but it's this very clever two-minute joke about mm. the guy constantly misunderstanding the very common accent differences between mm-hmm. the south and the north. And I talked to my wife after the movie, and she says, I was kind of reading the subtitles, but she can understand French. Mm-hmm. And so... She was listening to things, and she says the subtitles were completely different. Oh, wow. the to the to the film, like it was the same joke, but all of the wordplay was completely different. And so, someone had written like a two-minute sketch to sort of parallel the <laughs> French sketch that was going on that wouldn't have translated properly because the words don't sound the same. Yeah, yeah, that, it's not it's not going to be the uh, same is, in English as it is in in French. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. Like it was, it was it was really impressive to watch. There were some real talented people to do that sort of stuff. Uh, so, what's the earliest that you watched subtitled films? As in, in my life, I I don't yeah. know. I I really don't know. I I mean, a long time ago, for some of them, you watched like kung fu movies and Jackie Chan and that sort of stuff. So, I guess in my teens, maybe like that gone back that far, they would have been. Would they have been dubbed or mm. subtitled? No, 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 they were subtitled. I mean, the, the Hong Kong, the Hong Kong kind of ones were subtitled. Yeah, well, a police story and that sort of stuff. We would occasionally find these weird European cartoons on SBS when I was a kid. All right. And so I was like eight or nine trying to follow these uh, these <laughs> cartoons. And the subtitles that keep going by too quickly. I always find it funny when you have subtitles because you don't get the emotional reason for stuff you're just reading a word and sometimes the words seem kind of 
they might say oh that that's the captain he's coming to the captain is here or something like that and you go oh, okay that's a that's a thing but different cultures find things differently emotionally so where you go oh the captain's here or you go oh the captain's here sometimes it's like the captain's here but you're like why are you so excited by this but so you get this high energy person going the captain is here but i'm really going there's, there's no reason for that level of excitement it's they're not they haven't like saved the day they just literally walked in the room you need to calm down so cultural and there's this whole cultural backstory that you you're yeah. not getting at all you just go it's weird why are you all excited about that or that person's dating that person and everyone's like screaming it out the window and you're like why are you so excited by this but it's yeah it's a cultural thing and why do people think it's so cute that that baby has an enormous snot bubble why is that happening <laughs> yes yes yeah it's just yeah culture which is kind of fun so the frog princess's first language is french mm-hmm. when she arrived she struggled to understand what was being said both on tv and from me mm, mm. Uh, and i credit to this fact that our relationship <laughs> survived the first six months <laughs> uh, and a side effect of this is that i learned to articulate a little bit better mm. so she asked to put the english subtitles over the english programming and that way, if she was having struggling to hear what was being said, she could at least read what was being said. Have you ever done this? No, 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 I've never, no, never do that. I speak English sort of okay, goodish, as Australians do, so I don't bother mm-hmm. with, with Australian stuff. Uh, because she likes to use it, I used to find it quite distracting. But I did it because I'm a good husband. <laughs> um, and you, but I, you uh, batted well out of your league and you know this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt like I was missing the nuances of the performance, though, because my brain couldn't help but read the subtitles, despite the fact that I was hearing the words anyway. Hmm. It was very distracting. And a decade and a half later, and I find that if the subtitles aren't on, I'm missing a lot of valuable content. Hmm. I can't quite make out the words, and I'm benefiting a lot from having them on. I'm also getting good in ingesting both the visual information and the text at the same time. Human brains are very plastic, and this is just another skill. Also, the Netflix subtitle people are amazing at their jobs. Sometimes sound effects are crucial to the context of what's happening in a scene, and they always put the work in, leading to subtitles like machine gunfire-like laughter and forceful urination. (laughs) Where I work, we sort of make videos, science-y kind of videos, and we get them subtitled. So they're sent out to a company and they subtitle them for us. And I find it funny how they subtitle the sound effects. So we have like a company logo and it's a sound effect and it's, and it's, and it sort of says, confusing whooshing. You're like, don't call it confusing whooshing. It's not confusing. It's just a whoosh. It's just like, I guess. And, uh, and then sometimes they'll say jazzy outro music. And you're like, how does this help? How are you helping anyone at this point to go jazzy outro music? I, I think it's really funny. The, the choices. But you're trying to capture the tone. I guess. I, I guess so. But I, and, and on television, I've watched this as well. Sometimes you're watching a TV show and it will say the name of the song. If it's a real song, they'll say, this is I'm the bad guy by Billie Eilish. And you're like, okay, I guess, yes, I guess that's what's playing. Is that important? I guess it is. And then sometimes it it just says upbeat music and it just says the words up or, or rock, rock music playing or something. And sometimes you just get little emoticons of music, like, like little notes and you just go, yeah. there, is, there is music playing, and that's all you get. So it's funny how different people pick different levels of information depending on their show. Yeah, because I, I kind of feel that giving the name an artist of a song doesn't really help 
people who can't listen to the song. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. There's no more context. Like you're just kicking the context further down the road. Mm. But I'm sure that there is there are good reasons for that to happen. It would be confusing as well. I, one of my issues with Zack Snyder, like you know, the Snyderverse or the Justice League stuff, is he likes to throw in songs, what I would call inappropriate songs and, and it's, i think it's a juxtaposition thing of violence and music and and and, and i i don't think he, he overdoes it he did hallelujah for watchmen which kind of worked but he does it in, in justice league and you listen to this song going why are we listening this song has nothing to do with going and it i feel it's like oh i'm very clever so knowing that song is playing doesn't aid the scene and to, to read that song is playing you'd be like what's it got to do with it you can't even hear it to hear the the feel of it anyway yeah it's it's a, i guess it's just not how i would do it mm. zach i see i love it i love a bit of juxtaposed music don't you think like, it's trite don't you think it's like dumb I, You're like, no, oh. I get so much delight out of it oh okay no i'm totally into it you and zach can hang out then just yeah, so well, you get superheroes doing this horribly brutal fighting against All Star or something, yeah, or something really yeah, poppy. And that I, feels, love, I love it. That feels you saying that was that in uh, Kick Ass? That might have been. That might have been in Kick Ass. Actually, something I'm like that. getting a visual for Kick Ass. Yeah. I don't know whether that's right, but yeah, uh, I think it's a done trope now. It's like a, it's it's not <laughs> it's not super clever anymore. It's it's been done a few times. So mm. if you're listening, Zach, we know you are. Callous. I still like it. I mean, I'd never watch one of your movies, but I still like the idea <laughs> that it happens. Uh, so, yes, I'm getting much better at re- watching TV with subtitles on. But, yeah, back when I started, it was really distracting, which I found a very interesting behaviour. And a lot of people feel that with subtitles on. Mm-hmm. This is an automatic reading behaviour. When we start reading, our brains form a weak connection between the letters and the sounds that we're hearing. Mm. It's really important to have these connected. Children read out loud, and this is how that connection gets made. The neurons in the brain are firing at the same time. The sounds and the text wire themselves together because of this phenomenon. So reading stories to children reinforces these connections. You need this done over and over again to create physical changes in the brain that become permanent. Practice, Gregoire, Mm. makes perfect. Mm. But some kids don't engage with the reading material or don't get that one-on-one reading opportunity. If you have 100 kids, only 34 of them will become good readers. But kids these days, Gregoire, they don't want to read. They just want to watch TV. If only there was a way to take the (laughs) audio of this high-interest content and pair it with text that they will automatically read. Mm. Mm. Researchers found that when 100 children had closed caption subtitles turned on, 70 of them became very good readers. That's a jump from 34% to 70%. Those subtitles turned on, and the same thing that makes them distracting for you and I makes them impossible to ignore for children. They are subconsciously (laughs) doubling their ability to learn reading skills. That's pretty cool. This has been shown in both third world and first world countries. And if they're just watching Frozen over and over and over and over again, this is still doing them enormous benefit by reinforcing those connections. This is the lowest hanging fruit we have. (laughs) Double the amount of very good, double, 
Mm. Double the amount of very good readers we have simply by turning on subtitles for children's programming. So there is a website called turnonthesubtitles.org. It is a collective of people who are promoting this message and are working to get streaming services to automatically turn on closed captions for all children's programming. That's a good idea. Yep. If you're a parent, turn them on yourself and give your child the benefit before those bastards level the playing field (laughs) and then suddenly everyone's a good reader. Because when everyone is special, then no one is. You may have noticed, Dan, that human females live on average longer than human males. Yep, yep. Most of them. Most of them, yeah, but on average. So the average human life expectancy for females is 74.2 years compared to just 69.8 years for males. And There's a meme about why that is, they, and it, just show, it always shows, like, dudes just doing dumb things. Well, yeah, and, there is, and there is that. Yeah, that's like, that. That's, I've heard that before, as it's because men are more likely to go to war. They have poor impulse poor, control. Yeah, poor impulse control. And it, it, it's always written in this way of, oh, well, because men are stupid and therefore they'll die. And you're like, okay, that's, and that was my take on it too, actually. It's like, oh, we have lots of testosterone, and so we'll do dumb things, and so the average is destroyed. Well, the research doesn't mm-hmm. seem to back that up. Social factors are mental factors, Riskier behaviours or less care of their health may, may have something to do with it, but really it may just come down to genetics. Really? Yeah, purely genetics. So when humans looked at the sex chromosomes inside a human being, so uh, you've on, been looking uh, at sex chromosomes. I have what on the internet. Can I look at sex I, uh, chromosomes? Look, look, we'll put it in the show notes. It'll be fine. So the sex chromosomes. Do I need a VPN? And I, <laughs> you probably should go incognito. I must, otherwise, the frog princess will find right. out. So, only sexchromosomes.com. It's not a, I, hope, I hope that's not a thing. I don't know if it is. We're being very general here. So, please don't lead down my throat about sex chromosomes, uh, listeners. Uh, I, I, but we're talking in general here on average. So, you've got the sex chromosomes for XX for female and XY for human males. So, they're XX and XY. I know there's other variants of that. And, these are the averages here we're talking about. I'll entangle in any helix. Oh, now you're making it weird. So it's been shown that if you have the same chromosome, so the XX, you will live longer. But even in animals, so there are species of birds, fish, and reptile, that the sex determination is based on Z and W chromosomes. And the males have ZZ chromosomes, and the females have ZW chromosomes. So it's the opposite how we do it. So the males are the mm-hmm. ones with the, with the same, and the females are different. And the, the males then live about 17% longer than the, the females in that case. Wow. In humans, because we, we have XY, as uh, on average males have XY, then we live 17% roughly less. But in some animals that were swapped, they live 17% longer, as uh, less, sorry. So it depends on having it. And there's been a wondering of where did that come from? Like, why is that? The sex chromosome. And it looked at like 229 species in the University of New South Wales, we did a whole test on this. There are 29 species in the university? There are 229 species. Well, that's, well, they're probably more than that in it. Universities, there are lots of different species. So the idea is there's an idea that there's going to be something called the unguided X hypothesis. The idea of the unguided X hypothesis is that if you have two X chromosomes and something goes wrong in one of your X chromosomes and it goes, you now have cancer, the other X chromosome goes, whoa, 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 no, 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 that's that's really bad. But when you have an XY, then your X chromosome goes, you have cancer. Your Y chromosome goes, 
sure that's what you say boss that's what you say so women have a backup they have a backup chromosome. That They're running with a backup. They are. That's it. We always call it a backup your system. And women, as, we are the filthy mutants, of course. The males, you know, are the ones who are stupid and lost the little leg, have a little Y chromosome. Stupid mutants. So, so I'm being a good person whenever I'm in public and I see some lady and I'm like, hey, back it up, ladies. Like that's because that's what they're doing. That's that's and it's keeping them safe. That's true. Well done. I'm yes. a good guy. You're pointing out their their genetic superiority. That's that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. that's probably why you're not going to live longer. Is you'll get murdered in the streets <laughs> yeah. by women, which is you'll be an outlier I, in the data. <laughs> <laughs> the cold weather has settled in here, bringing delight to my better half. Personally, Gregoire, I hate the winter. Mm-hmm. I don't like being cold. I don't like it getting dark early. I love the light and the heat of summer and getting around in my underpants. <laughs> but there is one thing that's good about winter, Gregoire, mm. and that is that there are not any mosquitoes. Mm. Now, I've talked a lot about mosquitoes on this podcast. You're obsessed. And there was a huge uptick in these stories just after I moved to a swamp. <laughs> I have... <laughs> I've talked about them being attracted to black. I've talked about them being attracted to CO2. Mm-hmm. We bought a trap that lures them in with a scent bait and a purple light. It sucked them into the base and dehydrated them. <laughs> for, for later eating? Mmm, crunchy, crunchy mosquitoes. Mm, yum, yum, yum. The problem was that the moths got in just as well as the mosquitoes. Oh. And moths are great pollinators and food for other creatures. Insect population collapse is a big problem, and I don't want to be part of that problem. Sure. Now, mosquitoes are great pollinators too, but no one seems too concerned about no, that. No, no. It was like Pro- possibly because they carry dengue fever, which is a problem for who, Gregoire? Well, you, you, Dan, not me. Only for only for you. It's a disease yeah. built for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> now you're weakened to it. You're weakened. In fact, you're weakened to dengue fever, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. You have yes. more chance of catching I- it due to the experiments yeah. done on you. Yes. Yeah. 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 The experiments proposed by who, Gregoire? Scientists, Dan. Not by. I didn't. I didn't. Oh. I didn't propose the science. I. I just invited no. us along to to be part of it. And I would have. I would have loved to be part of it. But unfortunately, yeah. I lived in North Queensland yeah. and was protected forever. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, this will teach you for mocking North Queensland. By the way, that's what happens. That's what they did. They're like that Dan Beeson. He's a son of a monkey, and he's gonna. We're gonna. Give him the dengue fever of a lifetime. Right. <laughs> can, can we separate them politically and geographically and just shove the point, uh, the tip of Australia just off into the ocean? <laughs> I'd be all about that. So mean. Okay. So this, this little device was also kind of costly and we also bought another one for the other side of the house, but it was a different type. It was one of those with a very satisfying sort of sound Ooh. that reassures you that mm. it's protecting you from Greg's mistakes. It was just your standard bug zapper, which is a catchy name, isn't it? Bug zapper. Bug zapper, yeah. Yeah, much better than mosquito zapper, which is good because it doesn't fucking zap mosquitoes. (laughs) We've been lied to, Gregoire. Oh. Mosquitoes aren't attracted to light. They don't give a shit. No, no. Yeah, good point. Dr. Alex Wild from the University of Texas tweeted, as summer approaches, please do not buy or use bug zappers. 
Zappers do not kill significant amounts of biting flies. Mosquitoes aren't attracted to light, but they do kill beneficial and neutral insects, including ones used by birds and bats for food. It's just pointless killing. Mm. Mm. So now, Gregoire, I have a device that is basically a tiny apocalypse machine. I can turn it on, (laughs) and the only thing it does is get us slightly closer to doomsday. But also, it makes all the local frogs. That's what my my childhood. We had one went uh, in North Queensland. I didn't. We thought it was doing mozzies, but now we know it wasn't. And all the frogs would just sit under it and go, "Oh, barbecue! Nothing but barbecue!" And you get all these frogs <laughs> and toads just having the best time. That's 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 oh, nice. Oh, the geckos love it. Yeah, <laughs> the geckos are like, I don't have to hunt at all anymore. <laughs> that's right. Just don't get too close. Dan, you are you are beautiful. You're a beautiful, ah, you're a beautiful, you. beautiful man. Just turned forty-five, so that's that's very nice to hear. You are gorgeous. You are beautiful. You are pure. All right, you're you're making this weird now. You're you're pure. You understand that we're partners only in the sense that we record together. <laughs> you are pure of heart. You are unsullied of body. You are virginal. You're a beautiful whoa, virgin. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, don't spread that. What? What? No, no, it's no. okay. It's all right, Dan. Just, no? St- th- no, come on. That's all right. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing wrong with being a virgin, Dan. You're a beautiful virgin, and you're walking through a beautiful forest. Uh, none of this is none of this is right. No, no, no I'm, you I'm, are. I'm sitting at my desk. You are. And I fuck. I fuck Gregoire. That's not true, Dan. I put it about. No, you don't. No, look, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop bigging yourself up, Ed. We know you're a beautiful virgin and you you like to walk through forests. And when you walk through a forest, you're going through a forest and you come across an enchanted glade, an enchanted glade. And what do you expect to find, you beautiful virgin, in that enchanted glade? Oh, a horse with a big horn off that, it. That's Ooh. right. A unicorn, that, Dan. Exactly that, right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. yep got a it. horse with a big horn. But there's no, there's no unicorn, Dan. There's no unicorn, Dan. Ooh. Where's the unicorn, Dan? Where's the unicorn? Sasquatch or Bigfoot? Who is who? It's all going down at the crypto zoo. So unicorns. We don't have unicorns in the world. There are no unicorns in the world. We can't find them anywhere. We've never found evidence of them. We don't seem to have horned horses. And the question, of course, is why? Why don't we have unicorns? Describe a unicorn Wait, so, to me, Dan. Well, Describe one to me. So horse. Yes, your horse. Yeah, okay. Unicorn, yeah. horse. Yes. White Yes. Big horn sticking, single horn sticking mm-hmm. out the top of their head. Yep. And normally... Magic. Normally... Um, poops rained over And poops, poops cupcakes if you really want to get excited sometimes. And it's a horn. It's definitely a horn. It's a normally seen as a spiral thing that comes out of the forehead. It's not like antlers or something like that. It's not like a, you know, you're not like a horse with, with antlers. That's normally like one... Yeah, well, there is some... What are, what are horns? Is, is it just a keratin growth? Well, that's well, that's a very good point. What's the difference between a horn and an antler? I think that's an important thing to we we need to talk about. Yes, are there horns that are actually just matted hair clumps or something? I no. don't know. What's an antler? What's so, a horn? So what 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 is a horn and what is an antler? So an antler is entirely made from bone. 
and they grow up. You get spongy bone, and they're covered in the velvet, which has all the blood vessels, everything, the nerves that go through it, and they they get, become more compacted as time goes on, and they they branch everywhere. They branch all over the animal's head in the deer sort of family's area, which we'll get we'll talk more about later on. And they spread out, and their bones, and then they lose their velvet. They shed the velvet where the blood vessels and everything are, and the horns then fall off at the end of the mating season. So they don't normally last. You get a big rack of antlers. They don't normally last, though. So horns are a bit different. They're unbranched, so they're normally one, and they're two-part structure. You normally get like the, a bony core down the bottom, and then you get a keratin sheath that builds up. So they are connected to the animal itself, to the skull itself, where antlers just grow from nubs. It's almost made from the same thing as, as human hair and nails. Then you got tusk, which is like a big tooth. Yes, yes, you well, do. Like, you, what, what's a what's a rhino horn? A rhino is a horn. It's a it's, it's a, a horn. It's a horn. It's not an antler. It, it lasts its life. It doesn't fall off. It's the the bone in the center with keratin growing up around the outside. So it's a hmm. it's a horn, not an antler. So you can have a horn on the top of your head, like on a cow, or a horn that comes out of your nose, like a rhino. And rhinos, well, they're still on top of the head. Though. Yes. Rhino have one horn. Yes, right. So they, well, no, no, the rhinos can have multiple horns, like the, at the front. But, they, it, little yeah, ones there's a little ones. tiny one behind them, but yeah. they're, they're not on either side. They're centered. No, no, horns, no. It's like no, a unicorn. No, no. Yeah, they're at, the, they're at the front. Yes. They, they're more, I guess people will say, oh, what about the rhino? The rhino is your unicorn. And yes, we, I guess so, but we're not going to go there today. It's not a unicorn. It's not a horse. No, it's not, it's not even a horse, but it is, it is an ungulate, which we should talk about now, what an ungulate is. So ungulates, um, unclo- clo- uncloven hooves or something—they're basically or cloven ho- hooves, hooved, hooved animals. Basically, being hoofed, being hoofed mm. is basically what it means. Or hoofed animal. So anything that's kind of a hoofed animal is considered an ungulate. So you get odd-toed ungulates such as horses, rhinoceroses, tapirs, and you get even-toed ungulates such as cattle, pigs, giraffes, camels, sheep, deer, and hippopotamuses. I've left. I've left an important. Ibex. Uh, ibex, yes. Well, that will be in. They'll be even-toed, and I've missed. I've missed a very important even-toed ungulate. Can do you know the one and why we don't kind of consider an ungulate, though it is an ungulate? Oh, is it because like the toes at the wrong part or something? Well, it's the fact that they don't have they don't have hooves. These are ungulates that don't have hooves. They're really they're, they're really big. They're a big ungulate. Uh, they're, they're the biggest ungulates. Is this an elephant? No, 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 no. These are whales, cetaceans. Cetaceans. Whales. Cetaceans. Oh, that was going to be my next guess. You didn't give me enough time. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. So it's cetaceans. I, got, I, I, I was almost there. Yeah, you were. You were good. You, were, you would have got it. So they, they are. it's an argument whether they're ungulates or not. But yes, they, they came from ungulates. They don't have hooves. If you're defining them as an animal with hooves, they don't have hooves. Therefore, they're not ungulates. But they are ungulates. They, they just, they're, they have the, they're even-toed ungulates. You could technically say a narwhal, therefore, you, well, maybe a narwhal well, is was, a is a is a unicorn because it's an ungulate. And that, that's a big tooth. That, that's that's there's the problem. It's not a horn. It's a, it's one of its it's one of its canine teeth, and it grows extended out. So it's a tooth. It's not a horn. It's not an antler. It's a tooth, not a unicorn, which is a problem. So horses don't grow horns at all. There's never been a, an, an ancient horse that's grown a horn. There was once something called a brontotheridae and a brontotheridae is an extinct mammal and it it's part of the same family as horses rhinos and tapirs and 
you could count it. People once again try and say it was this Brontotheridae. Oh, it, it, that's it, it had it had horns. It had a horn that came out. Two horns that came out at the top of its nose, at the top of its head, kind of like a rhino. But it looks like a rhino. When you see pictures of these things, you go, "That's a rhino. That's not a horse. It's not a horse." It, so we have deers and things like that that have antlers. And then we have uh, equines don't have it, but we have rhinoceroses that have horns. And we have cattle that have horns, you know, deer that have antlers, and giraffes have horns. Yeah, there's lots of different sort of animals, but no, no equine has had had a horn. So all antlers, in fact. Now they do have a mane, though. They do have a mane. They have, they have so you can have hair. a like you can have a lot of hair that only grew on that spot. So is there a way that that might harden and become? a horn for a unicorn. Like, are there any creatures where their hair actually bonds together in some way? Like dreads. Is there, are there natural dreads in anything other than humans? <laughs> natural dreads. Maybe, but not not in horses. There haven't been anything seen like that. I mean, evolutionary-wise, I mean, anything is possible, of course. You know, we could it could definitely develop. There could be a horse in you the future. You get some gel. <laughs> get some gel and gel it up. You could. And, and But the question here is, then, why... Why didn't horses develop? I mean, we, we could just say evolution, and that's the end of the question. Oh, well, that's boring. I mean, what are horns used for? They're usually used for battle and, like, becoming, like, the top semen-bearing animal. A deer, they're going to bang heads against each other, and then finally one of them's going to take off, and the other one's going to be like, now I get all the ladies. And and also with, with antlers, they're a lot of the sexual display because they don't last. They they grow out and then you, you spend a lot of energy mm. going, hey, ladies, look how sexy I am. And then, then you hopefully win and then your antlers fall off and go and hopefully, you know, get used somewhere. Or they eat them sometimes. Sometimes they eat their antlers to get the calcium back because it's really, it's a good source of calcium and you've been growing all this bone, but you know, they will actually eat them. I assume it's defense against predators, the, for, like a cow, a cow in the wild has big horns to stop. If, if a wolf comes along, your bison's yeah, going to be like, to fight. and, and to fight other, out of here, puppy dog. And to fight mates as well, to fight, to fight the other males and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yes. That, that's, so are horses not fighting each other? Ah, no, they definitely, definitely are. But we've got to think back when horses, when, 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 when you think of a horse, it's a, it's a big creature, isn't it? It's, it's really, they're huge. Great they're, big creature. Huge, massive, massive. That's right. Eight but hands horse, high, or something. Whatever a hand 44, is, like forty-four hands high. Farlap was a god amongst horses. <laughs> a, a heart the size of a Volkswagen. <laughs> yes. Like, they, so, like big horses are big. Clydesdales are yeah. basically a truck with hair. So horses get up to at the shoulder, sort of one one and a half to nearly two meters high. Like they 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 can be really Crazy big. They're big. big animals, hundreds of kilograms. They're really yeah. really big. But they didn't start that way. So that horses originally they were not. And then we think of them as a plains dwelling animal. They run around the grasslands. They run real fast. But horses when they first started, what we consider not modern horses, but the the ancestor of horses, uh, Euhippos, they were actually small. They were thirty centimeters at the shoulder. And they were very, very small animals, and they lived in in very forested, in fact, jungled areas. Uh, probably forested more than jungled. Now I think about it. So they were they were small animals that were were prey animals that got away by ducking through the undergrowth. So imagine having big antlers, big massive antlers, yeah, and and or horn, and you start going, oh, this is not 
the best, you're not going to make it. Mm. You're not going to make it to mating. So that's one of the ideas that they they started small, and then when they moved into when the forests receded and grasslands sort of took over a lot of the world where they lived, North America, where they evolved, they started becoming bigger. They they started becoming larger on the grasslands, and they never developed horns from there. But what's really really cool is animals that have antlers or horns don't normally develop a strong bite. And animals that have no headgear develop really strong bites. And horses ah. have crazy strong bites, like super, super strong. And we don't think of – I was reading an article when I was researching all this. There were farmers saying if they had to choose between kicked by a horse or – bitten by a horse they'd rather be kicked by the horse which surprised me because they said it can crush your it can crush bone they can crush if they not just nip you if they decide to come in and bite you they will crush you crush your bones in your arms like no one's business so i heard a story about sometimes horses want to test their teeth they, they have a frustration with their teeth and so they bite to relieve the the thing and some guy came back and his like sports car was like covered in pock marks because the, <laughs> the, the horse chewed his car to death yes right <laughs> that's pretty cool it seems to be why we don't have unicorns is because evolution has given you a choice and that is you're either going to have big antlers or a horn or you're going to be a big bitey bugger and horses decided for the big bite. They fight dirty. They're dirty fighters, and they kick and they bite. They don't. They go into honourable combat with with head antlers. So unicorns are unlikely to exist at this time. So I'm sorry, Dan, you beautiful virgin. I'm sorry. You're never going to get the horn. Oh. <laughs> You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. You've also been listening to that fine fellow Greg at smartenough.org. You'll notice there's been no walk of shame segment this episode because Greg and I are now perfect. Perfect! We are are ascended beings. But on the off chance that you do hear one of us make a mistake, no matter how petty, please do send an email into us and we will surprise each other with it. On the podcast. I just dumped a lot of information about ungulates, which I don't know a super lot about. So I'm assuming there's going to be all sorts of errors from horse people. So horse people, you get in contact and point out that you saw a unicorn and they touch you in your special place. Yeah, well, look, first first walk of shame for you, Greg. Well, I definitely fuck. <laughs> like that's... Yeah. You've got you, yeah, you dropped the ball there. That's You're down to clown, are you? That's good. Excellent. Yeah, I'm... I'm Looking for a word, a horse word that rhymes with clown. It's not coming. You like to get on your withers. I'm fine to acquire. You're fine to acquire. <laughs> all, I, all I know is that somewhere in the, in the house that you're recording in, the frog princess is, I need to slap Dan. Senses are going off. <laughs> She's going to race in and go, any moment. Yep, with the frog, frog princess, I plan a tyranna. Ew. Oh, same joke, but with frogs. All right. So if you would like to subscribe or find us on the social media yeah. stuff, there's all the buttons on the website, yep. social media, social media, smartenough.org. Yep. There's also comments there. We have also recently created an Instagram account. So at SE2KB. So if you like pictures of things. Oh, I guess I better link to that on the website. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. 
<laughs> but we yeah, it, it normally that. to promote the episodes and anything science related. I recently put up some pictures of some stratolites that I saw in real life. So if you want to see those, come on down to Instagram and see the stratolites. Yeah. All right. I'll put that button on eventually. <laughs> We're paying it forward. And I've been listening to some podcasts on the That's Not Canon Network, mm-hmm. of which we are a part. And I found a wonderful podcast called Space Junk, mm. a PhD student from the University of Sydney, Annie Handmer does science interviews. So if you wish that every single episode of Smart Enough No Better was an interview, then this is a great little show for you to check out. It's lots of fun, but the tangents are philosophical rather than, let's face it, very, very silly. That's right. Not as scatological as we get, probably. If you want to support us, please do share the information about how much fun you've had listening to the podcast with other people who have fun listening to podcasts. If you really feel the desire, you can support us financially by going to the website, clicking on the tip jar, buying a shirt, or becoming a patron of the podcast, which we always appreciate. If you pay five bucks or more, you can be part of the Comedy Blimp crew, Mm -hmm. and we will read out your name. So a big thank you to Lindsay Jenkinson, Ivan, Granny Maguire, Steve E, Phil Holland, A.V. Greenbury, Andrew Potts, Matthew Toy, Britta Rigowski, Britta Rogowski, Elizabeth Yunkin, Ilana Mitchell, Matt Ewers, Andrew Whitehurst, and Christopher Revel. Thank you all so much for your donation. You're far too kind for this madness. Thank you very much. There is a top tier called the How to Be Humble tier. (laughs) And in this tier, I have been given the task Mm. to abuse you Mm. for your donation. It's very, very weird. So Very weird. I don't understand it at all. Don't get it. I don't understand why we do this. So now I have to abuse some of our most dedicated listeners. What monster would have created this on on the spur of the moment for no reason? Mm. (laughs) So, Gregoire, Mm. Mm. it is the 16th of May, 2021. It is. It is. Currently, tensions are high in Israel. Oh, no. Oh, damn. There is a long and complex ongoing struggle with many nuances and subtleties. Oh, no, Dan. As part of my insults this week, I will not be touching that subject with a five-foot pole. Oh, thank goodness. Thank you. Oh, God. What are you doing? My insults this week involve five-foot poles. (laughs) Tom Seary. Tom Seary, some people radiate charisma. You absorb it like Marie Curie absorbs ionizing radiation. Marie Curie, of course, the Nobel Prize winning scientist and five foot pole. (laughs) Mikhail Kidder, I fantasize about sending you to the bottom of the ocean. Just like Stephen Dreswicki, the inventor of the first modern submarine back in 1877, and also a five-foot pole. <laughs> and finally, Steve Stewart. This person was technically born in Paris to Polish parents. Mm, mm. Five-foot poles Bula and Rizard Liebling's little boy, Roman Polanski. You know what? I'm just going to let the listeners join the dots yeah, on that joke. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And a big thank you to the other six people in this tier who are happy to not be abused and just want to (laughs) shout out. I have annexed them all together. Morton O'Hare, Michael Barnes, Scott Driscoll, Al Batson, Eric Wilson and Sean Seifkin. If you would prefer not to be annexed with the others, please do get an American to send us an email and I'll see what I can do. Dan. Dan. Naughty. Naughty, Dan. 
This has been a smart enough production in tandem with That's Not Canon. And as we always like to say, Bug Apocalypse! Uh, but Jeff Bezos just shaved it all off. Just yep. did the whole, le- became full Lex Luthor. We just went, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll lean into it. I'm an evil billionaire. And someone pointed out that the, the, some of the most successful shows on Amazon Prime are all about how Superman is the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Like the boys and Invincible. And... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's Superman. Can't be trusted. It's insanely good. Yeah, it's Lex Luthor just laying the pro- the propaganda down. Going, I said, "Oh, you know, which animal would you want to get bitten by?" So, yeah, she she wanted the sloth because she wanted the ability to sleep a lot. I was like, "Oh, that's fair enough. That's a, she wants to be like sloth person." Oh, so when you say what animal do you want to get bitten by? You're under the assumption that you get the powers of that yes, creature. Yes, the, the Spider-Man rules. Yes, yes. Not just, not just like being randomly animal. Attacked. Yeah, it's like, well, not a snake because no, no. they're full of venom. Not no. a bear because they're real strong. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> some sort of ungulate maybe? Oh, no. But no, 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 no. Don't get bitten by ungulates. Good Lord, man. What are you talking about? You madman. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> Lordy, don't. Whoop. All right, all right. Yeah, well, what kind of listeners? What sort of animal do you want to be bitten by? <laughs> Mine's jumping back and forth between bad network and average network. Is the frog princess like watching exciting television or something? Or she's on sexyhelix.com. <laughs> Sasquatch and Bigfoot, who is who? We're all going down to the disco zoo. Disco zoo, crypto zoo. Kind of what's called. I like the disco zoo better. I mean, Dis- really disco zoo. Just one that just doesn't judge species. It's like a the opposite of a gay bar, where it's like not only can all genders turn up, but all species. That's true. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. All the animals for a bear. Is it? <laughs>